Oh, here we go. You guys excited about tonight? Man, what a privilege that we get to meet the way that we do, with the people that we do, and worship the King that's called us out of darkness. Amen? I also have to say that it is a great privilege to preach with these two men. But I need to admit, they are very large. But we are filled with the same spirit. We're studying the same word, and that is what we're going to exalt tonight. We're going to lift the name of Jesus. We're going to preach his word for the sake of our brothers being built up tonight. Can we do that? Then let's jump into it. Good evening, LCM. Tonight is March 16th, 2023. We'd like to begin this evening by briefly reviewing some key points from Sunday's message, Foundational Elements. We were moved by the Spirit as He deepened our revelation and understanding of what it means to be a son that becomes a brother and a co-laborer. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, we go. in this house, we are sons of our mighty King. Amen. Amen. And we will strive with all his energy that works so powerfully in us to maximize our brotherhood, saints, Amen. for the sake of his glory being revealed through our actions. So let's jump into 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 10. I was waiting for Genesis 1-1. Everything <laughs> the light touches. You guys there? <laughs> Some people got it. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> All right, it says, it says this. <laughs> Simba. It says this. <laughs> All right. It says this. For we are God's fellow co-workers, amen? Amen. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. So on Sunday, you learned that Paul laid a foundation that someone else or another built upon, right? Yeah. And so we're learning that he was referring to his brother, Apollos, who was taken in and raised up to be a brother that labored alongside yeah. Paul. Come on, in this, in this generation, we know that the woke culture is trying to perverse the word that's true well they cannot succeed with the word of god Amen. come on let's let's look briefly to a great word that we study on sunday night about someone else so another numerical but of the same kind so we know it's someone of the same kind that is building on the foundation yeah. that the lord have uh, is making through us amen what uh what we must take brothers who are of the same kind, because we are at war, and we will have uh, an army of 10,000 who are just like our king. Amen. Uh, let's put the next slide. This is our goal. So we are not just making another of a different kind. We are making another of the same kind, because we are going to have an army of 10,000 who are just like our king. And I would say that's only the beginning. Point four from Sunday's message, at the bottom of the chiastic structure, it impacted me. We wage war by sending your sons as brothers. 
Man, I have been wrestling with this and pouring through the scriptures and praying, asking the Lord for a deeper understanding of what does this mean? Well, it means I have to redefine what I think is success. Success in our eyes is always to have your sons to be raised up as brothers and to go farther and be better than you. Just like David did in 2 Samuel 18, 4. Our aim is that fathers raise up sons who become brothers, who are wiser, stronger, and able to hear from Adonai by themselves with their brothers. We are forging a brotherhood of men who can function without a father's direct guidance, but would never live without them by their side. We're raising up brothers who know the will of the Lord and are able to speak back into their father's lives. The ones who laid a foundation in their lives. Just like David, who had 10,000 brothers who were just like him. On that, let's take one more slide from Sunday's message. Amen. Oh. <laughs> we're family. We're having fun here. So, this is a slide from Sunday's message. This is what fathers and sons looks like. Amen? Okay, what we see here, this picture was taken on September 22nd. 2021 during the ordination of Judah, Nick, and Peyton. And the ordination does not mean that you've arrived at the finish line, saints. It's the rec Hallelujah. <laughs> the ordination does not mean you've arrived at the finish line. Our pastor's testifying to that right now. It is recognition that your brotherly function and role, I'm sorry, it is recognition of your brotherly function and role in the body of Christ. Come on. So let's, let's build on this because this picture struck me. I don't know if I've actually seen it until Sunday, and it reminded me, and it brought back a lot of things that we want to highlight. You have to realize this was not the end goal for discipleship, where we arrived at something. In many ways, it was the beginning for Nick, Judah, and I. It's because ordination doesn't mean that you've arrived at the finish line. It's the recognition of your brotherly function and role to the body of Christ. Remember what that message was called? Gifted. As a gift to the brotherhood. This should be the goal of all of us in this house. To be standing exactly where Elder Baj is. Because Baj is not sending his sons. He's ordaining his brothers. And I know that because I had always looked up to Baj as a father. Charlie as a father. John as a father. But that specific day changed everything. Because I had been credited with brotherhood from the beginning of my discipleship. And this was the day that we became one where we did not make decisions independent of each other. Amen. Just on a small note, I did some math yesterday. For me to stand on that day took 11,000 days. Wow. That's 30.12 years. For me to stand on that day from the time that I came to LCM when I began my discipleship was 2,265 days of some of the best, most glorious discipleship a man could ask for. That time frame is going to change from person to person. But the point that we want to get across to the body tonight is that when you have a foundation laid, others build upon it. Can you say that? Others build upon it? Others build upon it. Because Baj is staring at his son right now. And Baj laid a foundation in Pastor Nick's life. I mean, he raised him from childhood. That's true. He... he, he and he, he did an amazing job. But 
it's not like he got a new foundation when he entered in discipleship. Baj laid a foundation in his life, and then Eric built upon it. So did Wade. So did Matt. So did the elders. Well, let's talk about Pastor Eric. Eric laid a foundation in Judah's life, and a, a dang good one. But who's building on it? Elder Baj, Elder Charlie, John, Wade, Matt, the brothers are building upon a foundation that was laid. I know Matt laid a foundation in my life. Some of the most critical teachings, the foundational teachings of how to be a man, how to be a husband, sitting at Pastor Matt's feet and him teaching me was a foundation in my life. Yet, that was not the end of discipleship. Pastor Wade built on that foundation that was laid. Elder Eric, Pastor Eric built on that foundation. The elders and many of the brothers in this body, they built upon a foundation that was laid. That's what we want you to take from this picture. Ordination is not the end goal. You are aiming at them becoming better than you and building on a foundation that is already there. All right, guys. So we're talking about foundations and building upon that, right? Yeah. Have you guys ever seen a, a, a concrete slab with nothing built upon it? Yes. There's nothing sadder than that, where a house was supposed to be or a structure was supposed to be built, but it didn't quite happen. Funding was lost, whatever happened, but that's just a sad sight to see. That's not us tonight in this house, amen? Yeah. Okay, so foundations. When I was, foundations, when I came to LCM, <laughs> the foundation that was laid in my brother, Abimbola. Come on. The foundation was laid in his brother, man. He was on fire. Yeah. He was, he is on fire for God. Continually. That lamp is burning. This brother was at work talking about God. We're going to lunches. And so men in this house poured into this brother. They laid a foundation in Ben's life. Ben met with me and began to lay a foundation, a concrete slab of structure in my life, which brought me here. It didn't just bring me here. It brought my entire family Woo! here, right? And so that foundation is laid, and it's being built upon. I'm on a team, y'all. I got brother Nolan here. I got yeah. Brother Mario here, and they are, they are building upon the foundation that men in this house built in Bim, and Bim built in me. Amen? Yeah. And so, for me, I, I would say I'm a bit of a control freak, right? There's nothing in my life that I've tried I haven't succeeded at to a point. That's a very arrogant statement to make. And it was true. I thought I could do anything. Go to the military? Check. Go to college? Pay for it yourself? Check. Go to scratch? Uh, grad school, crash and burn. Crash and burn. I met my mortality in grad school. And it was a good thing because had I, had I continued on that, on that track, I would have never trusted a brother to help me raise my son. Now in our home group meetings, Evan's sitting next to Mario, right next to him, helping me disciple and train and raise my son and discipline him. And God knows he needs it. Amen. And so the foundation that was laid in Ben's life, he's helping to lay in mine. And these brothers, Nolan and Mario, are building upon that. It's not about us. It's about others. Amen? Yeah. Come on. Have you guys seen a house that the foundation is broken? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever would like to buy that house? No. But that's how I came here. As a broken house when the foundation completely destroyed. But men of God like Matthew Piro and Wayne Sutherland sought a treasure on that and bought that house. And they fixed that foundation. They feed the foundation so brothers like Keith and J.J. Mola were built on that. Yeah. Man, like J.J. built me on and remind me who I am when I'm 
when, when I'm actually walking with my, with my head down, and he's telling, Marlene, rise up because I know who you are. I know who the Lord make you, and I know you're capable of doing this. The same way Keith, he speaks to my life, and he's raised me yeah. up, reminding me of who God has made me. Those men are building on the foundation that others men actually repair for me. Man, I love the way that Natalie encouraged my wife. The way that she's telling the things that, that, that build her up, remind her who she is and what she's capable of doing. The way that Flora encouraged her and tell her, hey, we are in this together. We are sisters and we're going to go further on this. Man, I love that. And those are brothers and sisters that are building in a foundation that somebody else laid. Let's, be, before we move on, let's, let's take another look to 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 10. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. Say fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. So you notice that is the we are? Man, I have never built a house. But I'm a banker. I have found many of them. And I know how is it that you cannot build a house with one man. You cannot lay a foundation with one guy. And I know that somebody needs to come and build a foundation. Somebody else needs to come and put, those, uh, uh, to put the woods, put the sheetrock, electrician, plumbing. Many men are working for that house to be built. So we are not working as independents. We are actually working as unity, as a, uni, a united thing, a united church that is building something that will stand forever. Amen. Notice that I laid a foundation as an expert, expert builder. We put everything that we have into the building that we're doing. Yeah. We put everything the Lord has given us in everything that we're doing, and we don't know how anything back from it. Amen? So it says, we are his fellow workers. That means we have an obligation to the house of God to make sure that the sons and daughters of this house are raised up to become peers, to become brothers and sisters who are co-laboring in the work of the gospel. In this house, all of us are going to continue to grow in our faith and we're going to hone in our understanding of what it means to raise sons who become brothers. We're learning what it looks like to lay a foundation in a son's life and allow others to build on it so that son can go further, so that son can do more in the name of Jesus, more than we could have ever done in our own strength. This process is never the work of just one man. It says we are his fellow workers, his house. It is a collective group of brothers who are building up the sons, a sisterhood who are raising up the daughters, but never the work of just one man. It's the responsibility and the great privilege of the brotherhood of believers to raise up the sons in the house. And this is a pattern that is always expanding, and it's never going to stop. And we will never stop. Say, we will never stop. We'll never stop building on the foundations of our brothers and letting our foundations be built upon as our brotherhood increases in both strength and in numbers. Amen. Amen. So are you guys ready for uh, tonight's title? Yeah. yeah. 
It's called Stirring Up Dust. Stirring up dust. Amen. <laughs> so, we're, <laughs> so we're going to share with you what Adonai showed to us regarding how we're going to raise sons who become brothers and how we will strengthen our brothers and make better brothers. Amen. Exodus 18, picking up in verse 17. As you're turning there, say, stirring up dust. Stirring up dust. We can make it a little Texan. You know, it's stirring up dust, but you can call it stirring. It's fine. Stirring up dust. All right, you guys in Exodus 18, verse 17? Amen. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Come on, someone say praise the Lord for fathers. Praise the Lord, Lord. Amen. Now, somebody says praise the Lord for fathers-in-law. Praise the Lord for fathers-in-law. Uh, you didn't like that one that much, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one's a little bit harder. But Jethro is a father here um, for Moses. Is that, that's the, that's, that's the end of the church that the single leader model have never worked. He have never worked. He have never produced the righteousness of God having a single leader caring for the community. Yeah. The community was always designed to be cared, to care for and move by a collective brotherhood who have each other best interests in mind. Yeah. Moses was called to lay a foundation by teaching the people the decrees of God, the instruction, and show them how to live and behave as a, as a godly people. He laid the foundation by teaching them the word of God and what God demands of them. In the same way, in the same way we are called to lay a foundation to build, to build above another, another foundation that has been laid down. Amen. But this is not good for us to do it alone. We need capable men that fear God, that are trustworthy, that hate dishonest gain. Moses was, was, called, uh, uh, Moses was called to lay a foundation, and he operated in unity alongside with other brothers. Moses appointed brotherhood who will join in the work of rising up the nation to maturity so the sons of the house will not be worn, worn or burned out. Rather, to build up. So as we move forward, we want you to catch something. When you have a singular leader model, it doesn't just highlight the man's greatness. It actually wears him out. And it also wears out the sons that he should be raising up. It exhausts the people of God when we act in a single model pattern. It's not right. And the scripture doesn't uh, doesn't promote it. And so we're starting out our message by reiterating and reminding you of some foundational things. So we need to be reminded 
that there are no more or no great men in the kingdom. There's not great men in the kingdom, only men who walk closely to the will of the Father, and in that, they're used to bring him glory through their service to the community of believers. You want to be a great man? Be a servant in the house of God. Be one who always serves other people, the one who's always caring about others' needs before his own. Now, if Moses was not able to withstand a single leader model, then neither can you. If Moses could not handle leading people on his own, then neither can you. There, Moses is not a man that I want to square off with. There's not a lot of people I would want to square off with, Marlon and Assad being at least two of them. So he sets a good example for us. If he couldn't do it, neither can we. But what we're raising up in this house is an actual brotherhood and a sisterhood for you ladies of believers who are working daily in teams to strengthen each other so that the foundations that have already been laid, they don't get dusty by being neglected. This is a team effort, and it always, always has to be done in teams. Right, Marlon? That's true. Yeah. I actually have a testimony about that. Do it. I acted independently from my brothers. I tell like, oh, this is a simple matter. It's just a family issue. Lena and I can take care of this. So I decide, okay, we're going to do this. This actually was uh, uh, about Lena pregnancy. So we were aware we have, uh, we have, uh, uh, we have insurance uh, from this aspect. We probably won't need to, to gather any insurance, so I dropped my work insurance. Then when we went to, when we went to the hospital, they said, hey, the insurance that you have, we cannot take it. So you need to pay this bill. I was like, uh, okay. So you guys know about medical bills, right? They're no fun to have. But the Lord showed me that I act independently from my brothers. And I have to fall on my face and take full responsibility of my decision by acting independently. Remember, when I came to my brothers, man, they removed that dust out of me. They said, Marlon, yes, you did that, but the Lord will now guide you and we will go together with you. And we will walk out of this together. And man, how refreshing is this when brother acts in unity, man. And that's what the Lord is showing me. Now, you know what I learned? I'm not good at acting by myself. And you know what I won't do it again? That. I won't act by myself. I will actually bring my brothers up. Hey, brother, this is the decision. It seems simple. But man, that was foolish. That was stupid. And now I, need, I know that I cannot act without you because otherwise I will burn myself out and the ones coming behind me. Someone say praise God for teams. Look, there are many fathers, teachers, competent saints in this room. But the goal that we're trying to get across to you is that we raise up sons, the next generation, to go further than we are. And the Lord has shown us a great revelation of how we're to do that. And none of it involves individual actions. All of our actions are being done in a community in full view of everyone, even making decisions together. Before we get ahead of ourselves, we need to look at the words of Jesus so that we can check our hearts in regards to what wants us to be individual. Any desire or claim to have a title like a teacher or a rabbi or a father at the expense of someone else that is younger or maybe unaware is selfish ambition. 
And people do this because they want to feel themselves valid by others' need of them. Man, this, this selfish inclination, it doesn't just make you want to act independently of other people and make your own decisions for your own glory. It causes you to want other people to give you glory and you to use them. Maybe you're aware of that and you repented. But tonight, hopefully we can wrestle with a little bit of those uh, truths, those things that are covered in a little bit of dust because we would never admit that we do that to people. But undoubtedly, there are elements of it in this room tonight. And we believe that the Lord is going to help you uncover it. And he's already doing it in our own lives as we're studying for this word. And that's part of stirring up a little bit of dust with your brothers. You preach the word and the word will stir up a little bit of dust in your life. So let's look at the words of Jesus in Matthew 23 because it gives us some pretty excellent uh, direction for how we are to relate to each other. This is also how Pastor Eric closed on Sunday. And so we're going we're gonna to go a little further with it. We're going we're gonna to wrestle with this passage. You can uh, go to verse 8 of Matthew 23. This is what it says. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you only have one master, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbled him, humbles himself will will be exalted. So let's just plain, take the plain text here. This teaches that you can call no man father. It says you can call no man rabbi, no man teacher. But these are all godly titles. So what does the passage actually mean? Well, it first says you are all brothers. Say brothers. brothers. The primary way that we relate to each other it's not on levels of who is higher and who is lower, who is a father, who is a teacher, who's a brother, who's a son. Our primary way that we relate to each other is how we function in that brother's life. So we are always brothers, but how you function in a brother's life may vary. How we relate to each other is based on service. So for example, Pastor Matt, Pastor Wade, Pastor Eric, Judah, Nick, they saw me as a brother when I came to LCM, but their primary brotherly service to me was like that of a father, like that of a teacher. And that's why I can relate and refer to them as fathers and teachers in the faith. But it is like a father. They are my brothers, but they performed a function in my life that was void because of my upbringing. But because the fatherhood in a son's life is essential, those who cling to Christ will not let you go without being fathered. He will put brothers in your life who will fulfill that role, and they will perform their brotherly service to you because God has already took them through a season of preparation for it. Did y'all hear that? They will not let you go without being fathered. That's powerful. Are you guys awake in here tonight? Yeah! Amen. So, for older Christians in the room who want to be fathers or disciplers, this is not a title that you demand or command. Yeah, come on. You are brothers, and when your brotherly service is like that of a teacher, 
or a father, your brothers may refer to you that way because this is how you are serving them and strengthening them. Amen? For younger disciples in this room, or disciples in the room, rather, you must desire to reach higher and seek to learn from those who are mature in the faith. This process requires humility as well as boldness because one disciple may want to be greater than the one pouring into his life. Boo! That disciple wants to take on a mantle of authority before his time, which is never good. Not good. If this is you, then humility to have your foundation built upon is required. Another disciple may look to an older brother and accept the false reality that you will never be a brother or co-laborer. To this disciple, we say, come up higher. Brother, rise up in boldness and you will be strengthened and we will teach you who you are. So you will never have to declare yourself as a father if you, if you were a father. It's like saying, hey, I'm your father. Amen. Darth Vader? Like, I am your father. No. If you, are your, if you are a father, you show it by example. You show it by your action that you are a father. You don't have to declare that. You will never sell, sell deep, deprecate your calling if you truly believe you were a brother alongside many others. Brothers who, who are all having their, I'm sorry, brothers who are all having their functions, Bill and Pot, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place in here. Can you take it from me? Yeah. Because yeah. this is a family meeting. Amen, it is. We're not trying to perform anything. We, we hope that you're following us, right? You're, you're providing a brotherly function, a brotherly service, but we're never going to exalt ourselves over another person. Amen. There's no hierarchy in the house of God. He is the head, and we are all the sons who be, have become brothers under the name of Jesus. What Marlon was saying is that if you are a father, then you don't have to declare it to everyone because it should be obvious through your actions. For example, if I get my hair cut or... Very practical. If I'm interviewing for a job, I don't need to walk in and boast that I am a pastor at Life Changing Ministries. I'm very proud of that. But if I have to convince people that I am a Christian and follower of Jesus, I have a major problem. How you function in the world at large should be obvious to everyone who looks and says, wow, that man is obviously a father. He is obviously very wise. He is obviously very much in love with Jesus, very much in love with his wife, very much loves pastoring his children. It's because you never have to grasp your own greatness if your validation and success was solely based on seeing others go further than you. You would never have to grasp for greatness if your sole purpose was to disciple your children to go further than you. You would never have to be above them in any way. You would never have to grasp for greatness in your preaching or study acumen if your sole focus and validation came from what you could put in the hands of a young man and say, go further than I ever could. You'll never let the dust settle on a complacent life. When you're focused on others' greatness, when your validation comes from them being successful, then you will never let the dust of complacency settle on their life or their call. Yeah. 
You will never let a brother do that. You'll never let your sons do that because your validation, say validation, validation. is fueled by them thriving in the will of God. All right. Okay, guys, I'm back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So do you remember what Jesus defined as a greatness on verse 11? Let's read it again. Matthew 23, 11. 23, 11. The greatest among you will be your servant. He says, the greater among us will, be, will not be a single person. It will never be a single one. Yeah. But the greater amongst of us will be a servant. So do we have a slide? So if you want to be great in the kingdom, you need to make others greater. Amen. You need to put your time and effort into this. This is the word servant. It's the, it, uh, the Greek word 1249, diakonos. And you see the highlighter, the highlighter area, sir? It's sir, in the dust laboring. Oh, yeah. A servant is one that works in the dust. Yeah. A servant is one that stretches out his hand to the mud and clean everything out of the foundation that have been laid out to you that nobody's building on that. And he actually putting all effort to clean that foundation and start building on it. That's a true servant, and that's not the job of one man alone. We all call to be that servant. So just to make sure we're, we're getting this, the greatest among you will be a servant. I've always read this passage and made the assumption that it was a Greek word called doulos, like one who served in the house. Great. While serving the house, that makes you great. But I, we uncovered something kind of beautiful in this. It's actually diakonos. A minister, a deacon, one who is in the dust laboring. You want to be great in the kingdom? Make others great. You want to be great in the kingdom? Don't sit in your palace and keep your hands clean. Get in the dust of your brother's lives. Look into their life and see that calling that's been lying dormant for a few weeks and say, Brother, you get that dust off there. What's underneath it is beautiful. Who convinced you that you were worthless? Who convinced you that there was an amazing call there? Man, I will not sleep on my job. I got my duster out. Come on. We're going to dust this thing off. I'm going to get dirty with you. Man, do you love your brothers like that? Hey, let's have a little transparent moment. I've had several conversations this week. I've been guilty of it many times. You see something happening, like a brother who's wavering a little bit in his faith, feeling a little down. Maybe he had a car wreck. Maybe he had something happen at his job. Whatever it may be, the circumstance doesn't matter. But you want to say something, but you're afraid that you are not equipped to do it. That you don't have the right words to say. Well, first... Let me tell you this. Why did God put you in their lives as a brother? For those who are like, I just don't know what to say. Do you have a Bible? <laughs> then, hey, we got all we need. We got everything we need. We have God's providence. He's put us in brothers to build up the brotherhood. Our greatness comes from making others great, getting down in the dust and laboring with them. And I also have the living word of God to read over my brother. Amen. This is how we win. Amen. So, brother, we're talking about dust and getting the dust off of our brothers. What yeah. that doesn't look like is me being dusty and just flicking my dust on Pastor Payton yeah. here and making yeah. him dustier while I get cleaner. 
that's not what we want to do. I want to focus on getting the dust off of Pastor Peyton with no care whatsoever where the dust lies. That's the focus. It's selfless service. And so when you're striving to be great by making others great, you might have to get down in the dust with your brothers and stir things up. I'm not sure how many of you guys have ever gotten down in dust and sand. It sucks. Okay. Anyone ever low crawled in sand? It's like glass on your elbows. It's painful. It's not pleasant at all, but necessary. You want to get your life saved? Keep your head down and keep crawling. And so we are there for our brothers. We are our brothers dying for our brother's vision. We're knocking that dust off. We're getting down in the dust. We're getting dirty. So this dust laboring looks like seeing a son or brother with a precious call or an ability and reaching out your hand to knock the dust off of that calling, refusing to let them get stagnant and collect dust. So our aim is to make others better than us, to do the labor that is dirty, not just getting our own life dusted, getting onto other people, but being the brother that gets down in the dirt and says, hey, let's clean this up. You're called to more than this. We want to share an example with you from the scripture. Everyone knows the story. It's Paul and Onesimus. But in light of what we're talking about, about raising brothers, sons up to become brothers, by we're talking about becoming great by making others great. With that lens, think of how beautiful the story in Philemon is. We're going to pick up in verse 10. So as you're turning to Philemon, say, stirring up dust. And as we repeat that phrase many times this evening, make it a commitment that you'll never watch a brother's call or his foundation collect dust, that you're going to keep it fresh, job site ready to continue to be built upon. Philemon 10, we're going to pick up, yeah, Philemon 10, because there's only one chapter and uh, there's not a chapter reference. (laughs) So, verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become both useful, both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me. <laughs> would have liked to keep it with me so that he could take, uh, take your place in helping me. Which is amazing. While I'm in change for the gospel. Come on, Onesimus become Paul's son when Paul was in shame. When he was in the midst of trouble, Paul rise up and became a brother that rise some other brothers up. We cannot wait for our circumstances to change to start building brothers up. Yeah, We cannot wait for things to be more comfortable to actually start pouring out into other people. Man, my house is filled, is filled with kids these days. We have four under four. Man, and we are busy. But my direction to my wife is, hey, we not settle in this. We going forward to pour out into yeah. the foundation that being laid down in brothers of this house. And we're going to pour ourselves out to build it up. You see, Onesimo was useless to Philemon. But now he became useful to Paul. Onesimus means useful. But he became useless because his mezuzah was covered with dust. Uh Man, when the brothers next to you 
His mezuzah is covered with dust. You have to rescue him no matter the circumstances. No matter how you feel it's convenient or not. You stretch your hand, your hand down and you bring that up from the dust. And you will see the beauty of that. Now Paul stirred up some dust out of Philemon's, Philemon's uh, I'm sorry, Onesimus' life. The foundation of Onesimus' life uh, became useful to everybody around the community. When we built on our brother's life, we are setting them to become competent men for the whole community. Come on. So did you catch what happened? One, Onesimus' name means useful. But he had been treated as some kind of subservient son. He had literally become useless, not put into action. There's no greater way to have something collect dust than to let it lie dormant on the floor. But a brother who saw potential in him picked him up off the floor and he dusted him off. And he didn't just become useful to Paul. Man, he came useful to the brotherhood, Philemon included. This is what we're doing for each other, church. You think that that word that you're sharing with a brother that is a little bit confrontational, that might come across like you've kind of been sitting around. Why are you not leading the way that you should? Man, that is the kind of dusting that we need in this house. We can't let each other lie dormant on the floor and be useless because all of us are viewing each other as the most useful and essential part of our lives. So don't let it go unaddressed. Man, just look at Onesimus' life. If no one had spoken into him, Perhaps the Lord would have some kind of supernatural revival in his life, but I know from my own experience that's not usually what happens. What the Lord does is he sends a brother to your side, and he looks down at you and says, hey, take my hand. I'm going to pull you up to where I am. And that brother usually becomes an asset in the kingdom that far exceeds the one who helped him, like Onesimus, who was useful both to Paul, the brotherhood, and Philemon. Are you guys still with us? Let's go to verse 15. Verse 15, Philemon says this. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So the reason that Onesimus was separated from Philemon is for him to have something that can be useful forever to the brotherhood, not temporarily. For the sake of the brotherhood, we build brothers up. We no longer see our brothers as slaves, as someone who's of lower position, but as equal in the kingdom. No hierarchies. The reason he was useless is because he was not being raised up to be a brother, but was kept as a slave. We're doing a disservice to our brothers, saints, when we do not Build on that foundation. Come on. So when we keep our children and our brothers under us, as in a lower position, then they become useless. But who actually is making them feel that way so they believe it? The one who's put themselves above them. This is why it should sober those who have not done the due diligence to sift through their own heart where they've acted this way and kept someone underneath them. Hey, I'll be the first to admit I'm guilty. I'm guilty of this. And the Lord is changing it through his word. This is why we're preaching this tonight. We have to make sure that the sons of this house are brothers who are crediting with brotherhood, but we have something to offer. 
that we are going to bring them up to our side and never, ever let them believe that they are useless. We'll never let them collect dust. With that being said, we are nearing a close. Some things we want you to remember as we go to Hebrews 10. Foundations that have been laid will be built upon by who? Not one man, but the brotherhood. The greatest brother is the one who's willing to knock the dust off of another brother's calling or his disciplines. And if you want to be great, then make others great. I don't think we could say that enough tonight. If you want to be great, the only way to do it is you make others great. It's a 100% versus 0%. No 50-50. No, I'm going to get a little bit of what I need, build myself up, and then they'll get some of the, the other things. If you want to be great, man, turn away from your own ambitions. Turn to the sons in the house. Turn to the brothers in the house. And devote your whole life to making them great. Are you guys in Hebrews 10? Let's read 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on, like stirring up some dust, towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, like lying dormant and just collecting dust in their own homes, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So love and good deeds is not something that comes to us automatically. No, it's not. So it's something that we actually have to work towards. For love and deep that shows that we want our brothers to succeed. We have to spur one another on. That they may know, that, that may, uh, not always be comfortable or feel good. Yeah. But rather be always growing up where the Lord's called them to be. We have to stretch our hands. We have to get messy. We have to get the dust out of our brother's life. And it's required that we do not give up meeting together. On, that we do not give up saying like, man, you know what? I love spending time with this brother, but with that brother, not so much. When you do that, you actually the one putting dust into your brother. When you do that, you're the one hiding your brother's mezuzah. Instead of you building them up, you're destroying them. You're making them slave instead of son that will become brother. You have to always, get, uh, you have to always put out yourself there to meet together. Man, I have one of the singles in my house. Do we love our singles? Yeah. Man, those are treasures that we have on this house. Man, and this brother is telling me how Brother Linton is speaking to him. And in that moment, I found a foundation what I can build on. I saw that my Brother Linton's have building a foundation in there. I said, man, let's build on that. There's something useful here that we can actually do greater things. But if we don't meet together, how are we going to get there? We need to never give up. Meeting together. Let's go to Hebrews 6. We're just going to read verse 1. As you guys go there, 
Did you hear what uh, Brother Marlon said? Don't give up meeting together. That's an action. Yeah. Who's ever seen a dusty room before? When you spoke to the dust, did it move? Actions required, right? The action of not giving up meeting together, actually doing something. We need to get active in our brothers' lives. Yeah. And something else Marlon highlighted, he said, it's not comfortable or easy spurring one another on. One, because it takes action. And two, you have to overcome your own insecurities. But the only reason that they exist in that situation is because you're worried about you. But if you wanted to become great, you would only be concerned about them and what's best for them. Are you in Hebrews 6 verse 1? It says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. The truth is we all have foundations that have been laid and that are actively being built upon. But a truth that we must grab hold of is that sons and fathers, they do mature together. So if you're trying to find out where you are in this, hey, I am a son of this house, and I'm, I am a brother in this house, but I'm also a father. Where, where do I, how, is, is, am I raising my son, or, or am, I, am I being raised up? Look, we're just going to have to think of this simply. You could be multiple things at one time, and they can all be happening simultaneously within God's sovereignty, okay? Trust me. I racked my brain for this week. We, we discussed it for hours today. How do we articulate this? Well, look, we're not trying to lay out a linear pattern. That's because God is doing multiple things at once within his sovereignty because he's that good. But we need to understand that fathers and sons mature together. Just like Onesimus and Paul matured together. Paul was learning things and pouring into Onesimus, and Onesimus was learning things to Paul, and the, the, the balance of that was, man, Paul was really growing exponentially, but he was also learning how to pull a brother up even better because he's becoming a better discipler until they were both co-laborers in the gospel. I want to tell you that success in the kingdom is when your sons do not need you because you train them so well. Where your sons do not need you, but they would never live without you. They're so competent and so confident in their discipleship. They're so confident in the God of their father that has become their God that they can hear from him and say, this is the direction. And then look back and say, dad, what do you think? Man, it's a glorious day when that father looks at his son and says, man, that is right. That is right. And that's what we're aimed at. That is success when our sons go further. Now, there are sons that rebel by trying to be equal before their time. The response to this is repentance. And what you do as an action is you have to attach yourself to men that are stronger than you. You have to look at your dusty old foundation that you've refused to let be built upon because you want to hold on to the level that you already have. You have to knock that dust off tonight. And you need to let others build upon it. And then there's sons who cannot believe that they will be like the men that are taking them by the hand and pulling them up. Despite all the pulling, all the effort, if you're the son who's like, you know what, I want to, I want to aspire to be great things, but if I was just a little bit less, I would still be happy with that. Look, 
that's worldly, that's fleshly, and we're just not going to think that way. Our success and our greatness is dependent on the sons of this house becoming brothers and becoming greater. That is success in the kingdom. So guys, we're laying foundations in each other's lives, and others will build upon it. Yeah. So question for you, how does this revelation impact you? Are you fearing of seeing someone build on a foundation that you laid because you will not be credited with the work? I'm talking about moms and dads. Yeah, guilty. Are you demanding to be viewed as a father, but you have no fruit or deeds in your life to validate your view of yourself? This is earthly thinking and only leads to a life that is covered in dust. For the sons who want to be equal before their time, your foundation has to be built upon your brothers. Stir up some dust by laboring with men who are stronger than you. Yeah. So let's go, to, uh, let's go back to Matthew 23, 12. So in this passage, we discussed that Jesus commanded us not to call anybody rabbi, father, or, or teacher. But he says this, For whoever assault himself will be humble, and whoever, whoever humble himself will be assaulted. Man, when we assault ourselves, the Lord will humble us. But when we humble ourselves, he will assault, assault us. And humble yourself doesn't mean that you put yourself low. It's actually that you know who you are in Christ. That you know the position that he gives you in this body. That you know your calling. That you know what God has put in you is of value. But do you see that when you assault yourself, he pulls you down? But when you put yourself where you need to be, he pulled you up. Man, that's like a foundation that is being laid by the king. It's leveled out and you can build on that foundation. That's a foundation that is level. Because if you don't have a foundation that is level, you cannot build on that. And we need to assess our, heart, our hearts to see in which area we've been insulting ourselves. That we've been called as our rabbis, fathers, teachers. And humble ourselves on who the Lord actually tells us who we are. So we can have a level foundation that can be built on, on it. If you don't have a, 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 a level foundation yourself, you cannot build on somebody else's foundation. You cannot lay, lay, lay down a foundation in somebody else. But you need to assess your heart rightly tonight. So we're getting ready to close. Our goal tonight, because we hit, we hit several, several topics. We got married people, those who are not married, those with children, maybe those without children. We don't want to leave any areas that have collected dust unstirred tonight. Our, our goal is to stir each other up. And we're, we're just starting that by trying to stir you up with this word. But this altar call... As we worship, we want you to repent and to bring things before the Lord that have been brought up in this message. Areas where you've maybe tried to assume a position before it's time. Or maybe you've, you've desired the exaltation of men at their own expense. Maybe you've identified those areas. 
You can bring those to the altar. But I want to take a quick segue as we close, where we can, where we can start. To the non-married saints in the room, we want you to be lifted up to where we are. But if you can't get over the fact that you, you actually believe that you will never be like the men and women of God in this room, you have to let that die tonight. You're making yourself dead weight that the brotherhood and the sisterhood for the ladies in here, but really, it's a brotherhood. We're trying to lift, we're trying to lift, and you're saying, no! I find greatness in being nothing. You have to let that die. You can't have your validation and make yourself feel good when people are constantly trying to get you out of the dust. Man, have you been that person? Yes. I just want them to minister to me from this place that is dusty and dark. Man, and I feel so validated. Yes, you care for me. But you stay there. And you choose to stay there. Tonight, we want you to come out of that pit. Because you are called to be exactly what we are and go so much further. Yeah. And I'm speaking to the younger ones in the room. But the reality is that you could be any age in this room. Man, the heart, human heart's a funny thing. For those who are working to cultivate the boldness to speak to a brother or a sister about something that, hey, I know something that's really precious about you, but I don't see it in action. Man, have the boldness tonight to bring that to them in humility with the mindset that says, I'll find greatness if I find greatness because I'm not even after that. But I know greatness comes whenever they become great. And your prayer becomes, Lord, when will I reach my time? Lord, no, when will they reach their time? When will they be lifted up and how can I do it? For those who want to address brothers, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13 and this is where we'll close. It says, verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and cannot fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So if you want to stir up some dust in a brother's life, sister's life, that's great. We read 1 Corinthians 13 because if you don't do it in love, it doesn't matter anyways. You're just making noise. How, how did Assad say it? If you just speak to the dust, it doesn't actually go anywhere. When you come from a place of true love for the brotherhood, focused on their greatness, man, it does more than move dust. It can move a whole mountain. As we open up the altars, if you are a married married person in this room 
the foundation, foundational covenant is with you in the Lord and you and your wife who has made you one. You can see a lot of things in your brother's lives, maybe in your team unity meetings or your teams. You can see some areas that are dusty and you want to immediately go after those and you feel justified. But before you jump to that, I want you to consider 1 Corinthians 13 that it's actually from love. And how you make sure is that you need to renew and revisit some dusty areas of your own covenant with your wife, with your spouse. Man, if we, if we could make sure that there was no area of our marriages that were covered with dust, maybe your Abigail on the ball cards, maybe your marriage teaching, maybe some promises that you made, some disciplines that you committed to, if we come back and renew that, man, you have a platform to say, what is love compelling us to do for our brothers? Because it can't be one man who's looking to raise up sons and leave his wife behind. It is creating a household that brings sons into it that allows them to be brought up in a household where they can go further. I'll highlight this, the Stevens for a moment um, because this is a home meeting. Eric became a father to me. I mean, that's pretty obvious. He, 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 he fulfilled a role in my life, uh, as, as did the other pastors, but I can only talk about one. But at the same time, I need you to hear me on this, Jen became a mother to me. Look, I'm a grown man. I'm independent. I can make my own decisions at that moment. I didn't know I needed the other half, which is really one flesh, of Eric. If you have dusty areas of your covenant, trust me, you cannot raise up fully developed sons unless that covenant is pristine. So, I'm going to probably pass it off to Assad. He's going to pray for us. The altar is going to be open. We're going to worship. Begin with your primary covenant. If you're, not, if you're not married, go back to your covenant with the Lord in some areas that have collected dust. And as we worship together, we're going to commit to stirring each other up from a place of love that is not selfishly driven, but it actually never fails, to be honest. If it's selfishly driven, it will fail. But if it comes from a, from a place of love, it'll produce the fruit that we, we intend it to, and it'll make sure that no one, no one fails or falls short of the glory of God. Amen? So stand to your feet. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word you've given us today, mighty King. We thank you for the brotherhood that you've placed us in, Lord God. The ability to stand shoulder to shoulder and side by side with men and women, Lord Jesus, and knock the dust off of them, the dust off of callings, the dust off of marriages, the dust off of relationships, Lord. Father, we are asking you tonight to knock the dust off the Lord God. Help us identify areas of our life, Lord God, that are buried in dust, Lord God areas that we've forgotten about, callings, prophecies. Lord God, help us, mighty King, to remove these areas of our lives, Lord God. And Father, before that, help us look to our brothers and sisters on our left and our right to reach out to them, to knock that dust off of them, to stir up dust in this place, mighty King. Father, that your word, your will may go forward in their lives for their sake, Lord God. We want to pour out ourselves to our brothers, Lord Jesus. Father, help us tonight, Lord God, to be focused on them and not us. In Jesus' name we pray.